0: Tolsman, and you're listening to the Against All Average podcast episode number six, the show where business owners and entrepreneurs come to learn the skills and mindset to lead exceptional lives. Today, I'm joined by the one and only Jake the Snickety Snake Spurly. How are you doing, Jake? I'm doing good, Kyle. How are you doing, man? I'm good. This is our second episode of the day, episode number six. We've got seven Episode number seven, firing on Monday. Um, I'm excited for our launch on June 1st. This episode will not be part of the launch, but we're going to launch three episodes at once on June 1st. And from all the interviews that we're doing and the quick hitters that we're doing, I'm just, I don't know, I'm through the moon to be able to do something where it's completely selfless. We're just trying to give business owners and entrepreneurs as much value as we possibly can. You and I run other businesses, we have other jobs, and it's just a a really cool side project that we're working on.
1: We are on an absolute terror right now, ripping through great stories, bringing on great guests, and we have an absolutely amazing uh, speaker on this one today. Don't want to reveal it just yet, i got to build up some suspense here, but every episode, straight gold, I love it. Hey, you know how we like open up with a dad joke or something like that? I kind of want to switch it up a little bit, Kyle.
0: You want to switch it up from dad jokes? Dad jokes are the best.
1: Dude, no. Okay. So, you know, lately we've been filming these podcasts and I've been wearing my hat backwards, right? Yeah. So I was on this sales call with a customer that is a real big customer for us. Um, it's like CEO of some big chamber of commerce since, you know, on the Zoom meeting. Hey, what's up, man? And my hat's backward. He stops. It was super awkward. Like, you know, those pauses that are 10 seconds, they feel like an <laughs> hour. He looks at me at This the beginning of the call. He's like, Do you always wear your hat backwards when you're when you're talking to potential customers? And I like yeah. pause for, for another awkward, like 10, 15 seconds. I'm like, Oh, this is real weird. And I'm like, Look, dude, it's been like day 120 without a haircut. Do you really want to see this man? <laughs> and like, after that, I was like, There's no way this guy's going to go with my solution. Like, I'm done. And it was, like, another awkward, like, 10-second 10 10 second pause he looked back at me. He's like, no, I respect that and just continued on. It was, like, the most scary, funny thing. And at the end, we just full started laughing about it. So, great story to kick it off. I think whatever you do,
0: you just have to own <laughs> it, right? You, either way.
1: Uh, before we get,
0: all right. Before we get going on with our interview, I'd like to thank our sponsor, when you need all things digital looking their best, call our friends at Fame Pro Services. Our friends will give you the above all average treatment with an awesome new website, custom graphics, social media management, and a full line of printing services. Fame, that's F-A-E-M, the trusted partner of the Against All Average podcast. All right, in this week's episode, we have someone who has dedicated his life to keeping kids active. I've per- Personally, witnessed him bring the magic of play to get kids to communicate better, have more confidence, respect one another, and stay healthy. He also runs team building events for sports teams at every level and even for large corporations. Without ruining our interview, I'm going to inter- introduce you all to Spencer Rubin of Play Fit Fun. What's up,
2: Spencer? Hey guys, you know, I hope I don't ruin your interview. Okay, I it. it seems like there's a very high standard here with you guys. Being as new as you are, there's a lot of uh, this. I got to really climb a tall mountain here. And I was hoping I would get some kind of, I mean, that was a great lead in. Thank you. But um, God, I, I, I need some kind of moniker like your partner in crime there. You know, like you, you almost sounded like the guy, what's his name? Uh, Buffer that uh, the, the one older brother does the boxing and the crazier one does, um, MMA or, or,
0: or what should we call it with uh, Dana White. So, so, and, so Jake, Jake's the crazy one. I don't know. <laughs> but, okay.
2: He's got the hat on backwards. We're, we we're the traditional hat forward guys, I guess. I know he's, know he's,
0: he's the one that looks like he's going into an alleyway to fight someone. I'm, I'm sort of looking clean cut over here. I don't remember the <laughs> last time I've shaved, but, uh, Yeah. We play well off of one another and we're always (laughs) excited to work with each other.
2: Thanks for having us on.
0: Yeah. Not a problem. Spencer, can you talk a little bit about your earliest memories and kind of how you grew up, what family life looked like, what school looked like, and just give the view, the listeners and viewers uh, something to know you by.
2: Yeah. You know, um, I feel kind of lucky, um, to be, I'm going to turn 51 in about two weeks, and I feel really lucky to be part of Generation X. Um, I'm not one of those people that says, hey, boomer. I actually think that's kind of lame. Funny, but it's kind of lame. I have no problem with um, Gen Y or millennials. Every generation brings something awesome to the table, and it's easy for us to pick each other apart. But I love my generation um, because we grew up in a time where things were fairly more simple. And we're also young enough and generally speaking, nimble enough to adapt to today's world of social media and technology and all the cool, different changes that are acceptable now. And I remember back in the day growing up in a business and then starting my professional career in the early 90s, where everything was, you got to wear a tie. And if you have that hat on backwards, you are dead. I will never buy anything (laughs) from because you are lazy, you can't even do your hair, what's wrong with you? And, you know, I mean, seriously. And so um, um, I was born here in the Portland area, 1969. Um, uh, my, my mom and dad had emigrated here from Canada. It sounds kind of funny, because you know, emigrate, you think like, maybe they're gonna come from Russia or something like that. But that was my grandparents. My family, my parents moved down here. Uh, they wanted a change from Canada. My dad was an entrepreneur. And he opened up a store in downtown Portland, no longer there, a little mom and pop called Arlen. And they sold electric shavers back in the sixties and seventies. Electric shavers were really starting to pick up in popularity and not everybody wanted to do the straight razor razors and and that was a lot more laborious and time consuming. Um, And so he hit a big market and he sold other stuff too. And I basically grew up underneath my mom's desk, you know, I mean, she brought me to work, threw me under the desk. I had Hot Wheels under there. Um, my dad would pay me 25 cents. There's a shaver called Norelco, one of the big brands, and they have three round heads, okay? And you can take those round heads out, and there was a little spinny, it almost looked like a ship propeller, cutter in there, and he would send me into the you know repair center, um, and I got to go in there and clean those, turn them four times on a wet stone to sharpen them, and he would sell new ones or he would sell these used ones in good shape for people that didn't want to spend the amount of money. I was in there not only to make twenty five cents a head, but <laughs> I got to play with the I got to play with the air compressor. And there you go. my dad passed away when I was seven. So if you can imagine like a four, five or six year old, he's got two repairmen in there trying to work, and half the time I'm working and half the time I'm sticking the air hose in their shirts and <laughs> pressing it. And what are they going to say to the boss's son? Right? you know. <laughs> exactly. So, so I grew up in a business. My dad died, unfortunately, when I was seven and my mom in 1977 uh, takes over a mortgage, takes over, they have two stores by now, takes over two stores. And I grew up running a biz. And by the time I was like 14, 15, 16, I could outsell all of our salesmen. Uh, I was closing up a store, you know, Doing the math on the the the, the count for the day, uh, putting it in a thing and putting it in the safe, and my mom would come back the next day and deposit it. And you know, it kind of just grew up that way. Um, sister, mother, myself—that's it. And then um, went off to University of Oregon. When I graduated high school, my mom had closed. Yep, thank you. My mom had uh, uh, closed the store by then, and uh, got down to U of O. Um, didn't have a penny to my name. My mom, you know, really didn't have a lot of money still. And so I put my own way through college. I had to work my way through college. When friends were off at Sun River or somewhere, I was usually, I had a job and I had to work. So I had a great college experience, but I didn't get to go and play and goof off a lot like some of my other friends did. And I think that was a good character builder for me. So yeah, I went right out of college, journalism school. I got a job in the radio biz. And, um, right there in Hillsborough, um, at the Hillsborough airport for many, many, many years, it's gone now, unfortunately was one of the few locally owned radio stations. And I thought I'd be there for two years, cut my teeth, get some experience, and then uh, go down to one of the big Portland radio stations. Right. And I, I just, I ended up befriending the owner. He became a father figure. I never had, he was a entrepreneur, roll up your sleeves, blue collar, let's just outwork everybody type of guy. That was my personality. And um, so I stayed. And he kind of gave me an ownership stake and uh, ended up ending that career in 2016 when I started my company. And uh, so had been there for a, about 26 years. So, uh, and lots of struggles, small radio station, no ratings, had to battle the big guys. As soon as you called up an ad agency or a big client that was not dealing with an ad agency, but had a lot of media buying experience, they just thought you were, uh, had green blood and you were the redheaded stepchild that nobody wanted at the dinner table, you know? Right. Um, but we did high school sports in the area, Glencoe, um, all the Hillsboro, Beaverton, Forest Grove schools, Tigard schools, and great listenership. We just kind of had a hard time proving it. So that really helped me, um, get to know a lot of businesses in the County and in the Portland Metro area and make a lot of business friends, which was really great, you know? that's kind of me in a not so brief nutshell.
0: Yeah, no, that's that's good to hear where you come from and and what you're all about. I only see the the side of you from social media, from you coming out and running our team building events when I was the head lacrosse coach over at Glencoe. So it's always interesting to me to to see you working and see your company thriving, but you never really get to see that background and what you came from and your father passing away at a young age and your mother having to take over the mortgage and the stores and that type of thing. Talk about how you view kind of troubled times. We're in an interesting time here with COVID-19. You had a very troubling time when your father passed away at a young age. How do you approach tough decisions and tough situations in order to turn them into
2: a success? You know, When times are great, you know, it's gravy, and it's a lot of fun. Um, You know, it also hides problems, you know, so you can sit there when times are great. I remember back in the last recession, the terrible one in 0789, and I uh, knew a lot of people in the mortgage industry, and they disappeared pretty quickly because they were riding a wave. It was almost like those old Play-Doh machines when we were kids. You put a bunch of Play-Doh in something and squeeze the thing down, and it would come out of every pore. And so they had businesses and homeowners and real estate agents and stuff. You know, it was great, but it also allowed a lot of not as talented or hardworking folks to thrive. And I don't mean to say anything negative or anything like that, but when the hard times hit, um, a lot of those people disappeared. And the people with some uh, chutzpah and some grit, it forced them to kind of rethink what works, what doesn't work. It's like a forest fire. You know, it comes in and kills out the pestilence and things like that. And so, you know, uh, I started in the radio biz in a recession in the early 90s. Uh, The next one, unfortunately, was the uh, probably second worst we'd ever had in our country. Terrible. Um, So many businesses closed. You interestingly saw so many different new relationships with rent reduction or landlords trying to help their people make it through, not just come in and pay me or leave. And, um, you know, it really teaches you a lot. You really learn more in diversity. Kind of like when you're coaching your kids. Hey, if you've got some amazing athletes with tons of uh, charisma and chemistry, it's great. It makes you look like a great coach, it makes them look like a great team and athletes. But the true test is when times are really tough. And how are we going to stick together and what kind of decisions are we going to make? My daughter's a junior. She's hoping for a soccer season this fall. She's at Southridge, she's going to be a junior. She's at Southridge high school. And my other daughter is 20. And she, when she played soccer there, Southridge was a powerhouse. And um, they were, they were strong. They were athletic. They were powerful. Um, But then mountainside high school opened up and took a lot of the talent. Just like when high schools open up in a district and spread things thin. And the last couple of years at Southridge, it's been terrible. They've been the worst team in the league, but interestingly last year, not only did they get a great young female coach that could bond with these young girls, But these girls decided, you know, hey, you know, we won a couple of non-league games, and now we're probably not going to win any uh, league games. But we're going to do this incremental growth thing. And by the time we all graduate in a couple years, because they're very freshman, sophomore heavy, we're going to be in the playoffs. And and they decided this on their own. So it was really great to see them stick together in a lot of loss scenarios and um, really grow from there. So in business, like right now, uh, we were in an unfortunate situation where our day-to-day operation is after school programs, before school programs, camps on days when there's no school, like uh, you know President's Day or something like that, and we got shut down. COVID-19 came in, cleaned the slate, and said, sorry, you're not operating. And so in a matter of minutes, we decided quickly to put something out on Zoom. So for a couple months, we've been running classes there. Uh, we decided to create this thing that's been saving our bacon also called family game night, where we deliver a tote full of equipment that's been sterilized that a family might choose. I'm going to be delivering one later today. Um, pizza, uh, dessert, and pop to your doorstep, sanitized. We'll be back the next day. Just stick it back out. If we don't see each other, no problem. And, you know, tough times help you learn how to be creative. They learn how they teach you to be nimble. And if you're lucky enough to be able to stick with what got you there, you're lucky, you know, but you're also a very small percentage of the people out there. And as I still counsel a lot of business owners, I'm like, Hey, look, you may not have had to deliver before, or you may not have had to uh, offer that service or put that on your menu. But right now it's survival time. So what do you got to do in the next 90 days? Or what do you got to do for the rest of this year? Or if it's a uh, recession that's going to last 18 to 24 months, what are you going to do different over the next 18 to 24 months before you can revert back to normal, if you ever do, because there might be a new normal. And how willing are you able to do that? And some people can't, they are so stuck either in tradition or uh, what they have had in their comfort zone that they either just flounder and flounder and flounder and it's painful and they very slowly crawl out or unfortunately they fail. Do you
0: find find that a lot of businesses stay in that comfort zone? Even in those trying times and those tough times, they've done something for so long that they're like, I I don't know, I'm not willing to run my business that way. Do you, you find and do you see businesses that are operating in a fixed mindset and they're unable to get creative in in these war times, so to speak?
2: I do. You know, I don't know how many. I don't know what the percentage is out there. But there's a decent number of them that I know. I mean, i sold advertising for almost three decades. So I've gotten to know a lot of businesses, and I've got a lot of business friends in a variety of categories. And that's continued since I started You know, my company, too. And, um, yeah, I mean, I see a pretty decent number of them. They just don't know how. Like when I was selling advertising, I would come in and I would talk to them about where we can place their ads to reach the right people. And then we'd start writing commercials. And they'd come in and say, No, I want my commercial to say this. And it'd be like me coming in and telling you how to coach lacrosse. Okay. I don't know how to coach lacrosse. Right. And so, you know, some of these people think that they know more than they know about things they don't know much about. And unfortunately, that has some negative consequences for them in business so some of these people are very afraid to change and some of them just don't know how and so they're like okay well i'm just going to stick with this and i'm going to power through it and some make it but they have to work 10 times as hard and some unfortunately don't make it because those that are nimble and creative those that keep talking and advertising and asking for business in tough times are going to survive it better and come out of it faster And uh, some, unfortunately, um, I guess you call it the Darwin of the business world, um, aren't cut to maybe make it out of that time frame. So being nimble, uh, being creative, and being willing to try things and fall down, I think are very key and very strong, important characteristics in tough times.
0: That's some great content, Spencer, and thank you for touching on the COVID-19 Type of pivots that you've done as a company, because it's it's really important for our listeners to understand that you have to adapt in business. There is no one right way to do it, and you. It's kind of a quote from you. It's like you never really know, know enough, or sometimes you think you know, but you really don't. And sometimes you have to ask experts what to do. You have to keep your mind open and that type of thing.
2: You know, uh, Uh, one quick thing. One quick thing before you go on that I'll share if you uh remember back to some of the team building events that we like you said we donated to your guys over at Glencoe and others is what I tell the kids you know these 14 to 18 year old kids is I'm like you guys and I'll I'll play specific games that I have picked out that have been taught to me by certain people oftentimes some of my employees that are a lot younger than me I could be their father and we get into this mode where you're a senior you're a four-year starter. What do I need to learn from you? And I remind these guys or girls, every event, you're never too good, too experienced, or too old to learn something new. And if you've got friends in business or friendly competitors in your industry, you got to be watching what they're doing. And you got to pick up the phone or email or something like that and say, what am I doing wrong? And right. throw you go out the door because it's about survival now. And just say, hey, you know, I threw you go out the door a long time ago when I make mistakes in business. I love it when my friends point it out because I'm not going to get better if I keep making that same mistake. So anyway.
0: Yeah. That's extremely valuable as far as just being open to that, that coaching. We're doing this new podcast and we're listening to our old episodes. I say, like, I say, um, I say, ah, sometimes I take a deep breath like this. <gasps> And you can hear it on the mic. Um, And we point that out to each other because we're just trying to grow in order to make sure that our, our clients, our customers, our listeners are getting the most value as they possibly can. Let's go back to the team building events that you put on. Talk a little bit about the team building events that you put on more specifically for the high school teams, how you've worked out sponsorships and how you continue to grow your network in order to be successful.
2: So uh, when we started our company, you know, and it's, you know, our premise today of getting kids active and moving, um, about a year in, the head coach at Southridge High School for girls basketball, Mike Bergman, came to me because my kids were Southridge kids. And my daughter at the time was, uh, had been a youth basketball player and decided, no, I don't want basketball and soccer too much. Soccer is my number one. So I got to know Mike. And Mike came to me and said, hey, could we do this fun event? I want to do a team building event. And we created something bigger than that, actually, called Southward Sisterhood Night, where they bring in the high school kids, they bring in the youth league kids, and they bond. And it becomes a sisterhood and something I want to belong to, whatever I'm in seventh, eighth, ninth, whatever grade, and stuff like that. And um, I did it for him for free. It was a gift for someone who had done some nice things for my daughter, And at that point in time, I decided, and this is new in the existence of PlayFit Fund, mind you, um, I said, okay, this is going to be one of our givebacks. Special needs kids, low-income kids, high school team building events are always going to be three areas where we give back to the community. And so, like I said, we donate about 70 team building events per year to mostly high school athletic teams, but oftentimes activities and leadership classes and stuff like that. And we come in for 90 minutes to two hours, and we work with either just varsity or all levels within that particular program. It's a coach's call as to what they want to do. And it's an opportunity for them away from their sport, away from their coaches, to have some positive adult engagement. A lot of the same words with leadership and bonding and respect and class and responsibility and all that kind of stuff to come from another adult because coaches have a tendency to be like a parent and a lot of their words sometimes get, become invisible, you know, to the kids. They hear it again. Okay, coach. Yeah, we got it. Um, and so when we can come in and have an impact on them and just have them to have another other and one more opportunity to bond, get to know each other more, break away barriers, have that freshman that made varsity. That's kind of an outsider, become a little bit more accepted by the upperclassmen. I just help them thrive. I don't care about the scoreboard. If it makes them win more, great. I'm thinking more of what kind of more of a positive experience can I have with this lacrosse or that soccer or that football, because it's going to have a big impact on them as they mature and grow and hopefully become better employees, better coworkers, better spouses, better friends, better managers, you know, et cetera. Um, so uh, I think I kind of got off topic a little bit, and I know there's another aspect to the question, so remind me, but that's kind of what we do with the high school team building. Yeah, so the high school team building and
0: all these team building events, you're able to give back, and you've also found a way to run it in your business by getting some sponsorships, and some local companies are sponsoring those events. Yeah. So talk a little bit about your overall um kind of view of how networking has helped you and how these sponsorships help to run the team building events for your lower income families, your special needs uh, students, and and also your high school teams?
2: Well, networking is paramount. You know, the more friends you have, the more business associates you have, the more believers in what you're doing um, is going to help you in any time, whether it's prosperous or whether it's lean time. And I had the benefit, of course, going into this, having sold advertising for 26 years. And a lot of that advertising was in community-based programming and events. So one minute we're doing high school football or basketball or something like that. and People want to be a part of something positive in the community. Um, Another time we would put on these giant Easter egg hunts at the Washington County Fairgrounds, free to the public. And we would need to go out and get some of our business sponsors to help us do this type of thing. Keep it social, keep this a great community to live in and, and things like that. So when I started play fit fun, I had a very natural base of people to go to saying, Hey, this is what we're doing and this is how we're going to be impacting lives. We can't do it without help from someone like yourself. Um, three businesses in particular jumped in early on the process and I'm not here to pitch them, but Ron Tonkin Acura, Les Schwab tire centers, and therapeutic associates. One, I had a great relationship with them already, so that helped. But two, they saw what we were doing, and they all know from a various amount of experience in their own lives what physical activity does to bond people, to help them build confidence, to be physically fit, to suppress negative feelings, all the great things from moving your body. And they're like, we want in. What do you need? How can we help you? And they've been a big part of what we've been doing uh, from day one. So networking, whether you, as a business owner, um, whatever works for your schedule, Rotary Club, okay? Um, Some are better than others. I've been a Rotarian before. Um, um, Chambers of Commerce. Again, some are better than others. Some are more organized than others. But any opportunity to meet other business owners, to be a part of a brotherhood or sisterhood, not for just selfish purposes, but... You know, I like to know more about your business. How can I help you? Because when you need help, you know, and they're willing to step up and help from advice to time to something physical, hey, you can use my warehouse to sponsoring you. Businesses are stronger together. And one example is this summer, one thing we're doing to help low-income kids is we're putting together what we call Kids Action Bags. So, COVID 19, people being laid off, financial stresses have been particularly hard on low income families. And there actually is a very significant number of low income and homeless families in the Beaverton Hillsboro communities, more than people probably know. And so, we want to take around to low income families a bag with a jump rope, a frisbee, a basketball, a wall ball, and something else in there. Because if that gets them out of their house, to go down to the park or hit it against the garage door or whatever, one, it gets them off their desk and they're not just videoing all day long or something like that, and two, they're moving their body, and we know lots of benefits that come from that. And if they go out and they meet somebody, hey, do you want to, you know, or their friends or something like that, now they're being social, and as we can see with quarantine fatigue, human beings are going like this now, being stuck inside. We like to be social, and that's healthy and things like that. So one of my Hillsborough business friends award specialties heard what we were doing. I had reached out to her to say, Hey, do you have any sporting goods suppliers that might want to donate products It's a lean time to be asking for these things? So no, we couldn't find anybody, but she emailed me the other day and said, I couldn't find anybody, but I have a supplier that gave me a great deal on these four inch, just regular rubber bouncy balls that you would play catch with or throw against a wall or whatever she says, I could put my logo and your logo on it. I'll buy them and I'll get you 150 of these things. Would you like those to put in your bags for these kids? And I'm like, yeah, thank you. I love you. You're great. And she's a very special, wonderful person anyway. And um, so networking and building business friends and doing it religiously, not just once in a while showing up to a meeting or whatever, I think is a very significant responsibility of any business owner that wants to thrive because you can't just turn on your lights and hope for the best all the time. You have to have people in your camp that have your back and want to help you support your business. And, um, it's a better way to survive. If you ask me.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you kind of touched base on earlier of people. Sometimes people just don't know the next step. They don't know where to turn to, you know, maybe they don't have the relationships yet, and from my understanding, you run a business that is all over the place and you you, you know you have an event going on at location A, another event at location B, doing these drop-offs. The business is always moving. It's not always in one location. And I know for some new startups and business owners, a very mm-hmm. scary thing is scaling and growing. And how do you manage these things? I guess for you, could you touch base on how do you embrace the challenge and what's your management strategy for a business that's always moving around and it's not constant in so many different places at one time.
2: Yeah. You know, um, we, uh, uh, my wife, when people ask how we do it, we have so much coming at us at once. Uh, my wife looks at him and rolls her eyes and says, I don't know how he does it. And I don't know how I do it either guys. Okay. <laughs> you know, to be honest with you, um, I have a personality that can multitask. I have a personality that can absorb and, um, accept the mistakes I make and I'm human and I accept the fact that I make mistakes every day. I am an organized business person. So please don't take my prior comment to think like, we're just kind of wheeling and dealing over here. <laughs> but, um, you know, you I think I got lucky being in kind of a gypsy business of radio promotions and sales because one minute we were promoting and selling air show sponsorships and one minute it was the County fair. One minute it was high school football, all of which had different customers, worked at different speeds, and I'm able to compartmentalize that. Okay, and so that helped me, you know, uh, I think when I started Playfit Fun, look at okay, our overall umbrella is getting people active and moving. So we've got our before and after school programs, we've got our corporate sponsors, we've got free to the community events we do over the summer, like the Girls Power Summit, uh, the Kids Olympiad free community activities that we produce where kids can come and play and be together, get shirts and water bottles and cool stuff and be empowered. And then hopefully absorb some of that and say, God, physical activity is actually kind of fun. I want to build this into my life or whatever. And so I can manage all those things there. And, you know, business owners, you know, if they if they don't have a lot of business experience with planning and budgeting and forecasting, they better find a coach. ASAP, because they're going to be in hot water. Now, I had a coach early on. The owner of the radio station turned the reins over to me for a while before I decided it wasn't for me. And we kind of had a splitting up of our partnership, unfortunately. But I watched him for years. And then when he turned it over to me, there was a lot of teaching and things like that. So I was very, very lucky. And I also had a lot of business friends. So I didn't actually go out and hire a business coach because those are, you know, 50-50 whether you're getting a good one or not. Some of them would never even run a business. They just know how to sound good. Okay. Seriously. Some of them, you just want to run for the hills because they'll run you into the ground. All right. And they may not even have a lot of marketing experience. So they could be giving you absolutely horrible advice. Okay. So I had a lot of other business people that I wasn't afraid to knock on their door. Some of them were advertisers of mine that became friends. And I'd be like, Hey, would you look at my P and L? Okay. Because you know, here's, where I think I'm doing it right. And here's where I can't figure out what I'm doing wrong. And some of these people kind of like when you have a friend shop your business, whether it's on your website or in your restaurant or whatever, and they spot the cobwebs over there or the dirty nature of your bathroom. And they're like, why would you let your customers in there, pal? And you see this stuff every day and it becomes invisible to you. So a long time ago, there's a wonderful ad guy and business guy in the world. Um, that I kind of fell in love with. And one of the things that he had said was, to your employees and to the world, you better make your business transparent. Now, certainly there's certain things that people shouldn't see. But if your employees can see and you involve them in decision-making, if you let them know and you're transparent with them, they feel like they've got ownership in the building and they're going to do a better job for you. If your customers can see all the inner workings again, there's certain things they may not need to know. Um, and they feel like, Hey, that's my place. I own that. My kids belong to play fit fun. That's our place where we, there's ownership in there. You've got more loyalty. Okay. You've got more connections there and stuff like that.
0: And I like to so stop, I got stop, pretty your, lucky stop with right, people there. Coaching us.
2: Stop oh, sorry, right go there
0: for a second and just make sure that our listeners are, are getting all this. You don't always and only lead your customers. If you're only leading your customers, your business is, is bound to fail because you do not have the employees that fully understand your vision, right? fully understand how you're going to do it. So the great business owners and great CEOs are those who constantly preach the same things, the same message over and over, and it's to everyone. You cannot miss your employees. You have to preach to customers, would-be customers, community members. You have to have everybody having your back. And so I think that's a very important uh, point that Spencer just made about, hey, we have got to make sure that our team is all on board with our goals and our objectives.
2: You know, your employees, you have very important people in business. And business owners, it's easy for them to feel and think very naturally that it's on me. This is a reflection of me, which there's truth to that. But you then got to throw your ego out the door if you're going to have a successful business, especially in today's era, especially the way young employees work, okay, and think because they're different from you in an older generation. So the more that they are bought in and the more that they feel like, hey, I'm having an impact in the community and in this business, the longer tenure you're going to have, the more productivity you're going to have, the more engagement you're going to have. So your customers and, and people and your employees, you know, you need to operate your business on a daily basis around them. If you do, and they feel like they've got an investment in your business, then you thrive. And then in the long run, that's what you want anyway. You so know?
1: true. So true. Yeah.
2: And if and your think, customers, sorry, go ahead, go ahead.
1: And I think, you know, you talked about kind of winning over your your employees. I think so many people only think that they have one category of customers and those are the customers that are buying a product or service from them, when in all reality, you have two very different categories of customers, one being external and the other being internal. And that your employees are your customers too, because if you're not providing them what they need in the workplace, you're a dead fish in the water, right?
2: Great point. Yeah, that's a really, really great point. So, I mean, you know, uh, earlier, Kyle, you had mentioned, you know, something about your customers and you can't just always have a customer that you're selling. Okay. Nobody likes to be sold. Everybody likes to buy. Okay. Buying makes us feel good. But if you're always trying to sell them, okay, whether it's retail or whether you're making a call um, and it's a commercial account or something like that. You know, when I first started back in 1991, my sales manager had the biggest impact on me. He told me, he said, I want, here's your goal, buddy. You want to be invited to every one of your customers' weddings, kids' bar mitzvahs, birthday parties, barbecues, kids' weddings. Because when you start getting invited to their holiday parties and things like that, you're in. Right. And you don't get in just because you want to make a paycheck. You get in because you care. Okay. So if it's the person that walks through the door and you turn around and the greatest thing that ever happened was them walking through the door, they're going to sense that and they're going to want to be there. Um, and we live in a distracted world where employees, it can be all about them. They could be on their phone and you're interrupting. just Wait a minute. And now all of a sudden the customer's like, what are we doing here? Right. And when those customers know you care, and this is simple stuff, I know, but it's very easy to forget. And we're so distracted By so much stuff coming at us in today's environment, it's easy to forget the basics that help us really, really thrive. So with your employees and your customers, man, when they know you're in and you go the extra mile, you got them for life. And all your competitors, they're making it easy on you. Because most people are not great sales managers. They're not great with engagement. They're not constantly empowering and retraining their their employees on fantastic salesmanship or customer service or anything like that. So all those people out there that are floundering is good news for you because if you can just say, hey, look, guys, we're going to be the happiest place that cares the most. I don't care if we're selling paint or eggs or whatever, but people are going to be happy here and that'll trump our prices. People won't care if we're the cheapest or the most uh, expensive or whatever because they like you and they want to do business with you and they want to be here and support us. And that's more paramount than ever.
0: And I find more more and more the things that I do, just little things like one of my coaches needed to get a lot of stuff into a trailer and take it to the landfill. He reaches out, Hey, can I borrow a trailer? It's like, Oh, I don't have one, but I'll find one. I'll hook one up. Uh, You get it loaded. I'll take it to the dump for you. And they're like, really? Like, yeah, I'm just here to help as a leader of, of my company, of my community. We're here to help. So if somebody needs help with something, that is the easiest way to build rapport and continue those sales because the folks that that have built great rapport with, I know every kid's kid by name, their school, what they like, what they dislike, their playing style, uh, what gets under their feathers a little bit. When I fully know and understand a, pr- a prospective client, a prospective customer, they want me to do well. They're going to want to pay me. You have to get to that point where you're adding so much value in so many different areas besides what you're giving them through your business that they're like, this is a great person. This is a great family person. They have great values and we want to keep them afloat even in, even in these hard times. So that point just hits home with me so much. It, take yeah. care of your employees, take care of your customers, stop thinking about the dollar and start thinking about the value and the help that you can offer them in any aspect of their life, that wins them over, and eventually that converts into dollar signs and keeping your company
2: alive and well. Yeah, you know, uh, the owner of, um, oh gosh, uh, I don't see him so much anymore, Stephen Stone at BedMart. never done a lot of business with him, But he's just a great, smart guy, and he's just been around a long time. And we were doing um, uh, something, and I was talking to him about Play Fit Fun, and he was kind of excited for me and the change and all that stuff. And I can't remember what brought up the conversation, but one of the things he told me early on—it was already in my DNA uh, anyway—which was, you don't give to get; you give to give. Okay, and that's just part of what you want to do because you want to help people, whether it's your employees. Mm -hmm. And you know, someone's having a hard time with rent and you know, they get in the car and there's an envelope on their windshield and there's 200 bucks in there or something like that. And that's an important person to you. And you know, if you give to get, um, it'll be pretty much a short lived relationship, you know, you give to give because it makes you feel good. The good news is in the long run, generally speaking, the rewards for you are fairly fruitful because people know your character They know you're there to help, whether it's the business in the community, you as an individual, you as an employer, and uh, you have deeper roots because of that. And you got to want to do it. It's got to be in your DNA. You can't just pretend to do it because people will sniff you out instantly.
1: Yeah. And you, you, I think, you know, one other thing is you talk about building like kind of the culture of the brand and, you know, being the, you know, if you're the company that always wants to help someone, you, I Feel like, at least from personal experience, correct me if I'm wrong, selling becomes secondary to the relationship in the, in the marketing aspect of it. And yeah. that, you know, if you've already built the rapport so far, you're not trying to sell it, you're just asking a question like, Hey, do you, you want to put on this event with me? And it's like, Oh, yeah, absolutely, Ruben. Like, let's do this. Come on, you're not asking for a sale anymore. It's just, you know, you're just being, being yourself, being your brand, it's, it's marketing at its best right there, right?
2: Exactly. By doing that, you're doing it, generally speaking, because it makes you feel good and you know it's right and everything like that. You know, in the, in the long run for the business, it just greases uh, you know, the gears and it just makes it obviously a lot easier for people to say, yeah, definitely. I like that idea. And it's not a sales relationship anymore, even though you're selling, they're buying. It's a partnership. And uh, I love my coaches. They're family to me. I haven't been able to see them. I'm actually about to call or text all of them. Uh, some of them answer the phone. Some of them don't. Okay. And so I'm about to call or text some of them and say, hey, you guys, Washington County opens up on June 1st. I got a big deck. I'm going to be barbecuing. Let's all come over and socialize on me. I want to see you guys, even if you're not going to be coaching for me because it's kind of a, you know, one or two year, 10 year job and they move on. But these people have impacted lives with me and I care about them, you know, and I want them to go out into the world and do that. But also, if I need something from them, it's that much easier for them to want to help us out, which is ultimately going to be helping other people, too. So some people are not wired that way. They're not going to do business that way. Good luck to them and whatever else they're doing. It's just how I've chosen to run my business and how we want to be seen in the community. Besides just generally speaking, just wanting to people live good lives.
1: Yeah, and I guess going a step further on this whole marketing path that we're on, that I love here, you have a big background in marketing and sales and kind of that aspect of it. And I feel like you're like Playfit Fun isn't a straightforward product. You know, it's not like here buy buy my cup of coffee. It's kind of a complex you know idea behind it. between activating kids and doing the events and the engagement part of it. What are some of the essential marketing concepts that you've had to implement with Playfit Fun? Is it one thing? Is it a combination of things? Kind of talk about that.
2: Yeah, you know, we've got a lot of moving parts. And so we have to market ourselves one way universally um, and another way very specifically that's very different. Like, for example, you know, some of these people that put on kids festivals and fairs and things, a lot of them try and come in and sell us a booth space at an event. And they're like, oh, all these parents will see it'll be great. But they don't do any research or background on us, which is fine. Um, and we don't tend to do those types of events. Because if I'm going to go to a school and have an after-school program there, I've got one market to talk to, and that's parents at that school. So if I'm at a next number of schools in Beaverton with our after-school program, um, you know, talking to parents who have kids in school in Gresham and Vancouver is just a nice conversation. It wastes time. It doesn't have anything to do with our operation there. So we tend to, with our after-school programs, market to the schools, the principals, the PTOs you know, get involved with events at the schools. People see us, you know, if we're new to a school, they just probably think we're some random organization that has you, that you sign your kid up. And after a while, when they see how much we donate to their auctions and their carnivals and their festivals, because we want to be a part of their community, their, their attitudes, you know, really start to engage and change with what we're doing our corporate team building events. Uh, some other things we do, we use some social media marketing and some other, uh, you know specific avenues. Um, you know we've really kind of, I think, been very lucky without having to do any mass amount of marketing in a way. You know I haven't had to really buy um, traditional stuff, radio or TV or what have you. You know we are looking at some family local, local blogs. Uh, Portland Mom's blog is one we've never worked with before. Uh, we already work with um, Northwest Kids Magazine and we buy an ad in their magazine. And, you know, for camps and other events and things like that. So if we have summer camps or other things, we'll look at some specific additions in those magazines or blogs or websites where we can have an ad or a banner ad or something scrolling or something like that. And so we've got just different moving parts that take different types of marketing. And uh, some of it falls on just my sales shoulders. And a lot of it, we get very specific and very microscopic with, Who we're talking to. Because if I'm at Raleigh Hills Elementary School in the eastern part of Beaverton, I need to talk to no one else other than people who have kids at that school. And then the grand scheme of things, it's not a lot of people. So we just have special ways of doing that, going out to their school events and different things like that. And then the more broad stuff would be the corporate team building events or hey, we're putting on these things. Last year, we invented something called uh, Family Field Day, we put one on in June july and august completely free to the community but then also um had to promote to get people there so we went out and we ran some ads but we also got just a little bit of partnership in the community people who were either sponsoring us that could uh, really use their tentacles and uh, you know promote the event um that way you know and kyle you had asked in a previous question um about you know, some of our business sponsors and things like that, some of them are with us regularly and some of them will see what we're doing in the community for a 30, 60, 90 day period of time around some of these things like the family field days. And they're like, how can I help you with that? And in turn, we want to promote them to the community, whether it be social media or other avenues to let people know that Papa John's Pizza or whoever is part of this and doesn't just want to sell you pizza. They care about the health of your kids and so on and so forth. So that's,
0: that's all great information, great content. Uh, the one that I picked up on is you just run free events for marketing purposes. Yeah.
2: Yeah, we do. You know, we run free events to be part of what we're doing to get kids active and moving literally the, the, the stimulus from the um, family field day events was one, we wanted another Avenue to get kids active and moving Two, not this year, but last year on spring break at a resort in Mexico, I was watching a family at a table where mom was trying to engage her two teenagers and, and dad, and no one would have with it. They were all looking at their phones, all slumped over. And she was really starting to piss them off by saying, Hey, what do you want to do tomorrow? You want to go on the dolphin thing? Do you want to do Paris?" Shut up, mom. And dad was totally engaged, whether it was work or ESPN or whatever he was more important to him than his wife and his family. And we were three other families and I looked at my wife and I go, and I kind of talked to her about family field day. And I said, check it out. And she's looking and she's like, Oh wow, look at that. And you know, we're not perfect either. There's times where all of us are at the table with our phones too. Um, And I said, that's why I want to do family field day. Not just have an event where parents will sit back, you know, yeah, you have fun, son, (laughs) or just do this. And this was a way for parents to put their stuff away and engage with their kids in fun stuff, not be intimidated by the activity or anything like that. And it really started working. So all of a sudden you look around at the event and I have my signage around, pull banners or A-frames or whatever it is. And if we have an extra sponsor or two, certainly they're out there. Do people walk away and remember the PlayFitFun name? No. But what I do hope is the next time they see me in the community, or the next time they see our van at their school, where a flyer gets sent home at their school about, Hey, this cool after-school programs there. It's a known brand, just like Jolly green giant peas. There's a lot of peas out there as good as theirs or better. But when you see that Jolly green giant and it's the pea brand that, you know, and you look at it and you go, we should buy that one. I just want people to see our brand, especially when you're working with kids, guys, the instant people see your van, your brand, your logo, they better trust you because if they don't, you're dead in the water. Right. So that's kind of how we view it. Yeah. I feel like, and I think Jake feels the same way.
0: I feel like we need to do another episode with you just to get all of this content. I mean, we haven't even scraped the surface of what you've been doing the last four years with play fit fun, how you've done the marketing, how you've incorporated the social media marketing, how you've gotten the community to trust and know you, there's just so many levels to this, but we're going to cut it off for today. We've got to keep things moving along. I just want no to thank problem. you, Spencer, so much for for being here. And I think the listeners got a lot of tangible information from you as far as how you run a business the right way and the, the mindset of how you do things the right way. And that's, that's what I really respect about you as far as um, just you do things the right way. If you say that you're going to communicate in a certain way you do if you say that you're going to email you do uh, and you're hard at work each and every day i'd like to give you this opportunity just to put a quick plug in for playfit fun one more time and then we'll close out the podcast and i'd love to have you back another day
2: yeah we'd love to come back and talk about whatever you want to talk about um you know folks uh playfit fun is going to be here for a long time but we've been hit pretty hard uh by covid-19 our traditional Um, you know, after school programs have been shut down, we're going into summer mode, all the events that we contract with like the County Fair and the Tiger Festival balloons are gone. And so we've had to be really creative. So if you're interested in supporting a great company, which we think we are, um, we have a couple offerings and I'll just throw it out real quick and then obviously get out of here. But one is our family game nights. We have a lot of summer stuff involved with it. Now, a lot of escape room stuff. So the family Forget about the world for a night. Laugh, eat pizza, have bundt cakes, drink pop, and play <laughs> games. And it's fun. College age, high school age, younger kids—we have it all. And it's sixty-five bucks delivered and picked up. So yeah, a little sales work there, I know, but um, it helps us, and it's really going to help you. To believe it or not, it's very therapeutic because laughter, forgetting about the lame news stories out there that just impact your soul negatively and stuff like that. To forget about it and feel normal again and laugh is a blast. One other thing, uh, two quick things, corporate team building, we're getting back to where we can be together and we do those. We also do a Zoom version of corporate team building, which is very effective and impactful and fun and affordable. But if you have kids and you're worried about summer and camps are closed, we've actually created a new concept called summer camp in your backyard. So you can get one, two, three families together together And instead of being in a camp where you have to have a 35 square foot bubble around a kid and they can't throw in cash to each other and whatever, we've created an opportunity for you to get two or three of your closest family friends, do it in one of your family backyards. Myself or one of our coaches will come work one, two, three days a week for one, two, three hours while you go for a run, go work out, get work done. If you're a Nike person, your campus is close. You get three hours of uninterrupted time. No kids tapping you on the shoulder and bugging you saying he touched me or whatever. <laughs> and um, we'll send the kids in tired and maybe after a water balloon fight, a little wet. And uh, then you got the rest of the day to go do other stuff. So those three areas over the summer, if they sound intriguing to you and will help you, let us know. You can get on our website and contact us, um, or certainly it would help us too. So sorry for all the plugs, but those are three areas that could help us out over the summer as well. And how can
0: they find you on the web, Spencer?
2: Playfitfun.com. Easy as that. Just playfitfun.com. All the information's on there about everything Mm -hmm. we're doing. You can always look on our Facebook page as well. Uh, We try and make it super easy to find us, guys.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much, Spencer, for being here on the Against All Average podcast. We put a lot of thought into these episodes to make sure that all the business owners out there and potential business owners get as much value as possible. And there is a lot of gold dropped in this episode as far as how you run a business the right way. Um, In order to grow the podcast, we need your help. Please subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform and tell a friend about every episode you find value in. If you liked the episode, please leave us a review on iTunes, Spotify, Google play, and any other platform of your choice. If you could also subscribe to our YouTube channel, Facebook page, and Instagram, that would be even better. You can find us at Against All Average on all these platforms. Another big shout-out to Spencer Rubin of Fun, and also our episode sponsor, Fame Pro Services. And with that, we thank you for listening to episode six of the Against All Average podcast. We'll see you next time.